Thanks for listening to this episode of I'll Have to Think About That, a weekly podcast in which we talk about history worth knowing, questions worth asking, and ideas worth considering, all in response to the incomplete education that so many of us have. So today I'm with Dr. Lee Esterlitt of the Illinois Mathematics and Science Academy, and we're going to talk about the difference between authoritarianism and totalitarianism. Maybe that sounds a little bit pedantic or maybe too deep in the weeds to have value, but I believe that knowing the difference between these two terms is valuable and it'll help you understand, explain, and maybe even analyze historical and and current world affairs. I, I guess my point is that words have meanings. Uh, and and the, the, the better we know those meanings, the more we can use words with precision and we can make thought and communication more efficient and effective. I think that's valuable. So, Lee, thanks for your, your time today and about to share your expertise. Um, I'll say this on the front end to everybody that we are going to have links to some resources that Lee may reference during this. So there will be uh, you'll have access to links that will give you additional detail additional readings if you're interested, and, uh, and some of like the, the, the point-by-point ideas that he's going to talk about, we'll have links to those, so don't, don't sweat it. So uh, anyway, Lee, thanks for, uh, for being here today. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. Excellent. All right, so let's just jump right into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in alphabetical order here. We're talking about authoritarianism and totalitarianism. So what is an authoritarian government, and what qualities make it unique among all the different kinds of governments out there? So authoritarianism is a, um, a actually a kind of a more academic way of just saying a dictatorship. And the okay. way we tend to think of, a, think of that, um, when we get to totalitarianism, we'll see why that, that actually goes much further than what I'm going to talk about here just, just for a moment. Uh, but a, a, an authority, it means, it means you have all the authority. And so that the idea of a dictator, the idea of someone, uh, and I, I would actually say that the great thing to focus on is the idea of a singular individual, sometimes with a family attached, uh, has looked to seize as much political power as possible. There's usually then uh, the elimination of all other political realities. The, uh, matter of fact, I would refer to it as being a depoliticized society. The idea that there may be a singular political party, like uh, when you have Saddam Hussein and you have the Ba'ath Party, mm-hmm. there's one political party, but you're not looking for people to be politicized. You want them to kind of go about their daily business and you have power. So just so to be clear, the idea of, you know, a, the authority, let's say the dictator is, you know, concentrated in, in this typically one person and, uh, and, and, you know, his or her, usually his. Uh, you know, inner circle of, of cronies and, and, you know, outward circles of, of additional cronies and, and people who will, you know, for whatever reason, do that person's bidding. Is it, is it political or is it not particularly political? Is it, is it seeking to politicize or is it seeking, you say to depoliticize? So is it seeking, I mean, if we're talking about politics as being a means by which groups of people make decisions about their, their country, that the authoritarian seeks to depoliticize that so there isn't right. decision making outside of him right well so outside of him so i have to be careful there's never a ten thousand foot tall dictator sure. wearing a mind control helmet uh and i think there's this idea there there's a tendency to see and this is going to be true of everything um this dictator a saddam hussein type character or maybe if we think putin as being an authoritarian dictator they have to have other people to do the job you can't control tens or hundreds of millions right. of people without a political party but one political party and i would argue that putting the word politics in front of it is even still problematic 
It's an authoritarian government that means to wield power. It doesn't mean to consult. It doesn't mean to see what people think about things. It means to have power. So, so authoritarian uh, is, is, I think we should then take as, in, as in, it is implied, there is not normal politics. No. The way we would think of any kind of a republic or, or a socialist government or however we think of things as being redistributive, uh, that doesn't exist. The idea power has been um, drawn up into the center. Uh, the dictator is usually the person with the, even if it's not the person doing it, it's the person with the final word. And uh, you did make it a, a authoritarianism uh, is definitively chauvinist in the sense that uh, I'm not really aware of anything in the way of, of a female dictator the way I'm talking about it. Um, but the fact is, is that that dictator has power. Uh, a lot of times they tend to be a one-time deal. Very rarely do you see dictatorships get handed off to the to sons. Yeah, um, and, and clearly, uh, we're being specific here. We, we're talking about authoritarians right now. We're, we're not. We haven't moved to the the other no, flavor of this. No, no, no. It's very. And then I'll change the way I'm talking. Uh, but an authoritarian dictatorship that you would have the uh, political power, that you would have a political party underneath you, which is really just a series of uh, of people who are enforcing your will. Right. You know, regional governors and heads of the police and stuff like that. Uh, and there's really not an emphasis on change, I would argue. Rather, it's stasis. Uh, you, more you change things, the more people want things to change, which could be you. And you don't want to change. Right. You want to be in charge. And so things become, I would argue, rather static. Uh, now, you, the change that does occur is when you eliminate your opponents or people who speak out against you or, you know, free media. That does go away. Uh, but you're not necessarily, you don't, you don't eliminate, if people are very tied to the church, uh, you know, a church or a religion or um, particular cultural ways, you don't change that. Right. Uh, so, so to be, and I, I think it's important here then, you've talked about Saddam's Iraq and the, the Ba'ath Party. I mean, calling the Ba'ath Party a party is... Right is in a way misleading because it implies that it's, Oh, it's these group of people that come together and rally around these common mm -hmm. ideas is no, actually what it is. It's, it's, it's a bunch of thugs who identify with working with one another to the extent which that it enables each of them to wield power. A lot of times you get the term, which I, I really like is called, they call them a kleptocracy. Right. And that they've sensed that they're essentially sucking uh, the financial and other resources out of the system uh, for their own benefit, and mm -hmm. you tend to dictatorships where you have, um, you know, the head of the the head of the transportation department, you know, has these vast Swiss bank accounts and things like that. Right. You let's let's let, let's talk real quick because you you've pointed out Iraq. What are mm -hmm. some other? I mean, Saddam's Iraq. Uh, right. What are some other good, say, twentieth century examples? either ones that are still going or ones that have been swept off the, the, the table of authoritarian regimes? So um, obviously Assad in Syria. Um, I think Putin in many ways could be seen as that. Um, there are a number of Central uh, Asian uh, states who which have guys who've been around for 30 years whose opponents are always disappearing. Is it, uh, is, it is Kyrgyzstan, Uzbekistan or both? Both. Okay. Uh, one of the, one of the guys, uh, Sultan Nurabayev, I think is his name. He just he's a step down. He retired, but he put people in charge to make sure nobody would would prosecute him. Um, would you put Libya, uh, Gaddafi's Libya, under this heading? Yeah, and sometimes they take on the trappings of what I'm going to talk about when I talk about uh, totalitarianism. But in the end. Um, Gaddafi is very much about power for himself. Uh, all you have to do is see images of him later on in his career. Uh, it's very much about him. 
uh, uh, Idi Amin comes to mind mm-hmm. in Africa. Good point. Uh, there's, and there's a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of uh, good, uh, good, bad examples of dictators there. Um, some of the You're dictators- You're talking like sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a lot of dictators that go in there. Um, and so we see these dick, these, these dictatorships and they're, they're pretending, if we started to make a list, there would be dozens of people on this list and through history, um, people immediately. And so I'm just going to do this now to people immediately. Well, what about Adolf Hitler? That's totalitarianism. And right. I'm going to sl- slide him off. But then I would mention, uh, Franco. And I think of Franco, Spain. yeah, Franco of Spain from the thirties who lives into the, what the early late sixties, early seventies, um, is very much about keeping Spain as is about Spain not being a political place, but being a conservative religious place that's very much like it was in the late 19th century, and eliminating politics, eliminating the communists to maintain the true traditional Spain, but with him in charge and his immediate people in charge. And I see that as more of a dictatorship. Okay, so so, of the authoritarian strain. So it's back to this issue of politics that the existence of actual politics, it seems you're saying is if if politics actually exist in a in a place in a country that is a means by which change can happen mm-hmm. change yeah. that is maybe broadly or, or popularly instigated or supported mm-hmm. and the authoritarian doesn't want that no again because political change means i need to be able to question what exists right. and if i'm questioning what exists i'm questioning you or and could really want to know why you have power why do you get all the oil wealth why do you get why do you get and yeah. why is your crony, why is your, you know, brother-in-law in charge of, you know, the Department of Internal Resources? Uh, and he's suddenly a billionaire. Right. And, and that kind of stuff goes on. Uh, it, it, it varies. There are some dictators that we, I guess we would see on the mild side and some we see on the kind of like. Sure. Fight. I mean, there's, there's always a continuum of, yeah. of, of like awfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's that, go ahead and, oh, go ahead. Did you have something else that you wanted to add? Yeah, the, the avoidance of politics. One of the big selling points, I would say, for an authoritarian is the idea that they created stability. Mm. And that because there was chaos before and because there was politics before, they equate you know, the two. nationalists versus this, whoever I brought stability, I brought peace and order. Okay. Now you could say that doesn't actually happen, but that's the selling point. Right. That's that's and, and maybe and, and here's the other thing. I think you make a very good point. You said that like there is no 10,000 foot tall giant thing that's that's controlling all, all affairs there. There has to be a good enough sized portion of the population that is complicit in this, complicit in this. And I, and I don't think that, I mean, we would rather look at bad governments around the world and in history and say, Oh, it's just a few bad people. I'm like, well, you know, unfortunately it, it takes more than a few bad people to make something like that happen for decades on end. And then the second part with that, uh, which will continue on to, to the, to what we're going to get to is is fear. They plug into the military is important, but I would argue far more important. And this usually gets left out is the police and you'll certainly police numbers and police powers uh, really start to multiply. Even if there, a lot of people just don't want to be bothered. You know, I mean, if you know, the police are, are ubiquitous and you know, the chances of you getting any kind of tri- trial or anything, but for mouthing off is zero. And all you're going to do is end up dead or, or beaten up or, you know, without any property. Uh, why am I bothering? So you go about right. your business. There's no hope. And I think which then even if you don't necessarily in your heart of hearts, if you don't agree with how things are going, you actually do agree with it because you're going along with it. Well, yeah. And, you know, I I can imagine being a a relatively poor individual in some small country and and people we're we're sitting here. We're like, you guys should rise up against that. I'm like, with what? How? How? You're just going to end up dead. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to totalitarianism. So what makes a totalitarian government and what are its unique qualities? How does it clearly differ from an authoritarian system? Authoritarianism is a depolitization. Totalitarianism is a broad category. There is no one who's a totalitarian in that, and that's what I believe in. Totalitarianism is a system. And it's the thing you take your belief, and I, you know, I'll bring forward where we had, we've talked about before, ideology. You put your ideology into the totality of a system. And you make use of that to make your idea, your politic, go forward. It's the, all the processes that you do because you want to fundamentally politicize and change everyone around you. Um, there's, so propaganda becomes super important in this. And there's a great definition of propaganda is the art of changing attitudes. The totalitarian system looks to fundamentally change the society over which it controls. And so a totalitarian state seeks to take that that whatever that singular idea is, mm-hmm. they are seeking to fundamentally change everyone yes. and root it out of that, that thesis, that idea. Right. And so the, the two easiest ones to do in the 20th century, and, and this is really the primary ones, uh, Marxism comes in a number of flavors, but you could talk about it as Leninism, Stalinism, or Maoism. And then the other obvious person is Adolf Hitler, so, uh, so Nazism. Uh, that those are singular ideas, there are one party, one leader, uh, absolutely focused efforts to completely change from the, from the base up everything about that society. And the only way to do that is in, is in totality. So hence the word totalitarianism. Otherwise, it's meaningless. You don't become a totalitarian to do totalness. Uh, you, you, the totality of, of the things you bring to bear, uh, you know, a, a single focusing ideology. Generally, there's one leader, uh, although those leaders can change, right? You could see that in North Korea or even right. in China, right? There is the idea of succession and the party remains. Now, thankfully. So what, what's, what I find interesting about mm-hmm. a place like North Korea is that it's a, it, you know, it's this wretched dictatorship yeah. where human rights and limited government don't exist. However, because of this all-encompassing idea mm-hmm. around the Kim family, you, you have this line of, of, of succession, but you don't have that in, but you don't have that in Iraq. No, no that, that's the difference. Iraq, think about it. What did Saddam Hussein stand for? It's Saddam Hussein. <laughs> right? Um, now, you, you could argue that the Kim family seems to have simply become this weird kleptocracy as well. Right. But, but they have that, that ideology, Juche that uh, focus on Korea, the idea of the, the, the kind of communist utopia that the country will become, and that they've changed the way people think. Saddam doesn't attack Islam. Saddam doesn't attack people living and going about their business. Matter of fact, in some ways, he's very progressive. You know, women don't have to cover themselves up or anything like that. It's just interested in the, society, the country making money and listening and him skim- skimming as much of it off the top as possible. And, and when I want to do something, I'm going to do it. And, and everyone's going to obey. But, but when you look at North Korea, you look at China, especially in the last, uh, very recently now, um, you could, or you look back into, say, a, uh, you know, a, a Nazi-type state or a Stalinist state, everything has to change. The way you act, the way you think, uh, the economy, everything. Everything has to change to meet this this vast goal that's been created. This uh, so the apparatus. And like I was saying, there was a along with ideology and party. There's a tremendous emphasis on policing, 
And I would argue, too, mm-hmm. policing is more important than the military. And policing comes in many uh, sets, right? There's uniform police, which I just think is most important. There's a secret police, which most people get more excited about, right? The guy in the leather trench coat. Right. That's there. And then the other thing is in the use of informants. The idea that you, you and I talking about something, I never know if you're going to tell on me or I'm going to tell on you. You know, there's the famous 1930s show trials where kids were going to school in the Soviet Union and their parents had complained about Stalin at the dinner table and they're denouncing them. So you never know. So you better not talk. There is- well, and I heard about this, too. I mean, there was a sense after um, Nikolai Ceausescu of Romania was was deposed and mm-hmm. then shot in 89, I think. Uh, yeah, it was right after Christmas. I mean, that the 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 sense among the Romanian people, like grossly overestimated the number of people who were in the secret yeah. police. They had that government had done such a good job of promoting the idea that eyes and ears were everywhere, right. and it just has to be the the fear of it, right? I mean, how many people want to get dragged off and tortured for three weeks and then shot? Right? I don't. Zero. Yeah, me neither. And and, and it went to what end? The military remains important. A lot of those, if you find a lot of dictatorships will, will uh, or even a lot of totalitarian states will fall, will fall back on that. If you look at China right now, that emphasis on the on the strength of the party is being reemphasized through kind of strength in the military. Um, and then propaganda, which is an uh, easy thing to talk about. And it's absolutely ubiquitous, right? It's postage stamps. It's busts of leaders and statues. It's every movie's. Right. There's nothing where it doesn't permeate. And what's fascinating is that there are, there were rather, plenty of paintings and statues mm-hmm. of Saddam around. But it, it seems that is more for the purpose of driving home, I'm the one in charge. Whereas all the, you know, pictures of Mao and, you know, or the Kims, you know, staring optimistically but stoically into the future while a mass of, you know, faceless people like, you know, march around their loins or something like that is... That's not to just get you to obey. That's to get you to change the way you view things and view yourself. And there's a tremendous number. You start to see slogans and you start to see my my favorite in in a lot of the uh, totalitarian communist propaganda. There's always all the different images. There's one of every kind of person. You know, there's a party worker. There's a military guy. There's a a farmer. There's a checkbox mall. Right. There's electric electric uh, power lines and there's a there's a factory and there's a farmer and there's a truck. Everything's going on. See how everything is in change. And then Stalin's in the middle. But everything there, as opposed when you see something of of of, um, Saddam, it's usually a statue of him. Right. Well, what about, no, no, it's a statue of him. And so I, I think it becomes this encompassing thing. Now, propaganda is important too for, for authoritarians, but I think for totalitarians, it's the changing of ideas. Because when you read a, a Nazi textbook or you read a, any of those textbooks, right, that kids get, they're filled with propaganda. You know, there's right. anti, the anti-Zionism uh, of Nazi t- uh, textbooks about math, that a, the number nine looks like a Jewish nose. I mean, you get all these kind of wild stuff. And, and so again, it, it's but this is this is fascinating because if you give maybe just the most fundamental definition to authoritarianism, it's the authoritarian is there to control power for himself mm-hmm. and to depoliticize mm-hmm. decision making. Yep. Whereas the 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 totalitarian is there to change the way people is going to politicize everything mm-hmm. and change the way people view themselves. Mm-hmm as individuals and as uh, uh, and their public lives in order to change their behavior permanently. Mm-hmm. And with a definitive goal. Now, right. 
and not and you're right, not just for its own sake. Whereas power for its, you know, power for wealth, power for the sake of control, that that's enough for the authoritarian. The totalitarian is has this again, like thesis alpha, that everything is rooted back to and everything is rooted in. That's that is that's that's from which all these ideas uh, spring, and that's where things are supposed to be headed. And I would argue they're utopian. That they yeah. have a vision of a, their, their vision of the world, however frightening to us, is a vision of a world infinitely better. That's a good point because I mean, if you look at North Korea, yeah. if you look at communist China, China. If you look at Nazi Germany. Yeah. Where would you put? Uh, go ahead, Cambodia. The yeah. destruction of all those people was to to free Cambodia from all these external influences and all these kind of bourgeois ideas and create this new vision of a people. Um, that we wouldn't even recognize they would be so improved. Removing again all the uh, the destruction of culture and, and and the ruin of people's lives, in a way you can say, well, at least the totalitarian has a utopian goal. The authoritarian is just kind of like crass. Yeah, and so there's a, isn't that weird that so the the authoritarian yeah. is not as nearly as destructive, but he seems he seems as you put it crass as opposed to this this kind of ennobled idea. That's why a lot of times we don't look at Marxism, the Marxist dictatorships, or the Marxist totalitarian systems nearly as destructive as other systems because they seem to have this noble idea. Right. For like even point. though I mean, look at communist yeah. communist China, Mao's China killed far more people than mm. than Stalin's Russia. And Stalin's Russia killed far more people than Adolf Hitler's Nazi Germany. Right. If, you, if you're going to rank the nastiness in terms of body count. Yeah. Also, remember that they all tend to be, um, I would argue, they all tend to have divorced themselves from religion. And have right. you done so, when you're dead, you're dead. So it's not like you suffer. You're just dead. And yeah. I think it's an important point, whereas in a, a pre- 20th century reality, there's a real, there, there's the potential fear that having killed so many people, I might be in trouble for it afterward. Um, whereas in the modern, especially in the, in the uh, religion free modern, when I die, I'm dead. I'm done. There's no consequence, right? right. There's nothing beyond the, the will uh, in, in terms of a totalitarian state. There is nothing above the all encompassing idea and those who are enlightened enough to enforce it. Yes. There is no authority higher than that. And then finally, two other uh, quick things to add in. And the one, this one I think is essential is the idea of a youth movement, uh, that all of them, Nazism, Nazism and Marxism, that there's a real emphasis on including as many, if not all youth, and, and a fundamental re-education, because you have, as an adult, been corrupted at some point uh, by your prior education before the arrival of the totalitarian system. Uh, and so the idea is that if you don't continue to re- indoctrinate and educate the youth, then they'll, then you'll never have the, the place you're supposedly going. The reason you have all of this system is to create this future. Somewhere in the future, I assume the system falls away and you just have what you wanted. But you have to re-educate the youth. You have to, we have, they have to free the youth from us. Right. Our old ideas, whatever that might be, and I'll lead them into the next place. And that's where you get, and you get that uniformness of, of youth uniforms and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and then finally, yeah, we have, we have good examples of that in, in China, and we have good examples of that, obviously, in Nazi Germany. Oh, everywhere. And in, in the Soviet Union, uh, yep. when, I, when I deal with students, I often show, because I still have bits and pieces, and I have students who have this. A lot of the Eastern European uh, kids have uniforms that their parents wore. And from even into the remember this, so like uh, Eastern, like the Eastern Germany is still around until what ninety one. Yeah, but I have kids who have their parents' uniforms. Wow! You know? And so you know, from like eighty eight, 
87 and I, they're out singing songs and doing fun things and they're in the youth league and all that. Um, I actually have an East German youth row at rowers manual where you're supposed to go rowing long distances so you can meet the people out in the countryside. Remember that last till not that long ago. So, so again, that's a, that's a, that's a great example that even something like exercise serves the function of that, that ultimate goal. And then finally is that the, the, the economy, because this economy is far too important to be left out. And it's not just Marxist controlling, absolutely controlling the economy, because that's the fundamental core of human existence for them. But even with Nazis and fascists, um, you, have to, you can't just let the economy do whatever it wants. It has to be brought right. to the service of the state, because the state's in service of the ideology. That's right. every, every activity, individual and corporate. That's right. Ooh, and that's an important word, is, is corporate. For Nazis and mm-hmm. fascists, the idea of a corporate economy. In other words, right. uh, you, you over at uh, Dahmer Benz might make engines, but I need you to make fighter plane engines. Half of your engines are fighter plane engines, and the other half can be car engines. But you will be making these. And I'll, I'll control the labor that comes into the building and, and you know, and then make sure they get paid, but you know, no strikes. And so you can manage things and you, you, you manage things forward. Um, and that becomes very important. So all those things together and, you know, here over the last several minutes, if you brought all those together, you would see a fundamental effort to create a new human underneath right. a totalitarian system. And that's the difference because the authoritarian I would argue doesn't really care what you think about. No. You go home. The totalitarian, the authoritarian wants his uh, the authoritarian wants his booze and his Western porn. <laughs> you pay? Do you pay your taxes? Did you go to work? Do you not say anything negative about the government? Okay. So okay. what? That's fine. I'll point out one. Uh, we don't need to go into it, but I'll, I'll point out one really obvious example from literature of a totalitarian yeah. state, which is 1984. Right. Right. Yeah. And so uh, that's Orwell's vision of um, the Soviet Union. No, that was Orwell. That and Animal Farm weren't yeah. those weren't those born of Orwell's revulsion to what he saw mm-hmm. Soviet communism yeah. turning into. It's like yeah. he finally took the lid off the argument and saw where things were headed mm-hmm. and, and, and recognized and it. Where they already had gone when he writes these, they're right. already there. And uh, remember, Nazi Germany is a passing nightmare. Uh, the Soviet Union doesn't go anywhere. Right. And so, yeah, no, he's in revulsion to that idea. He sees that and he has that wonderful um, image, which you can see where he was talking about, you know, that, that with the memory hole and the idea that not only will we control your future thought, we'll eliminate the, po- the past thought. And so that there never would have been the bourgeois past. There was only the, the uh, kind of utopian. We determine what is reality right. yeah. on, a, on an ongoing basis to serve this core idea. That's right. And so, so actually, and you've got the, you have denouncing of neighbors. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the, the, the breaking of the human spirit mm-hmm. in favor of what the, the, the leadership line or the party line is. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, 1984 really kind of, it, it fires on all pistons mm-hmm. to show you like all the, the means mm-hmm. and ends and horribleness, horror, whatever you want to call it of a totalitarian state. Mm-hmm. And then we have obviously real examples. Yeah, and lots of them. And 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 it's it's it's, I think it's a, a very intriguing because it's so overwhelming. And there's a lot of right. a lot of science fiction literature deals with this, that idea of this uh, effort to control everything to create a new a new future, and, and a future that's been, for lack of a better word, programmed. No, yeah, nothing in a totalitarian state. Nothing nothing can happen organically or on its own no. it all has to happen in sync with and guided by this core the core idea 
But remember, for them, there's the corruption of the past. There's that kind of bourgeois or middle class corruption. There's the corruption of religion. There's a corruption of kind of uh, property. There's the corruption of family. All that. Well, if you if if you didn't, I mean, I would think that anything that comes before the idea, yeah, anything that comes before that or stands is is obviously corrupt. And it divides your loyalties. And there is only one loyalty: the state. And the state is the encompassment of the idea. The ideology. That's why this. I'm always using it in singular, not ideas. You know, a Marxist doesn't have yeah idea, ideology. One or the the idea. Like yeah, I said, the thesis alpha. That's yeah, it. Yeah, and it, and it can it has to be that way. Otherwise, it's not, otherwise it's a democracy. Right. It, if there's discussion. if there's serious consideration of other of ideas. Yeah. Not other ideas, but of ideas. Yeah. You're, it's it's actually not totalitarian. And it's not an authority, potentially not an authoritarian system. I, you right. can't have a discussion about why long. I'm a bad guy. If I'm the dictator, we're not going to have a discussion in parliament about why I'm a bad guy. Let's have that discussion. Then I'll take you out back and shoot you. Right there, right. Now, next week, we'll have that discussion again and see how many people are interested in it. There is a, there is a famous piece of video of Saddam Hussein announcing the significant increase of all of his powers. I think it's around 79. And the Iraqi parliament is sitting out in front and most of them are his people, but some of the guys are getting up and saying something. And as they're shouting at him about it, there's half a dozen guys coming down and taking that person and taking them out. And slowly but surely the three, four people, (laughs) three or four people that everybody kind of like stops. It's like when you watch the Chinese um, government, when when they're meeting and they have the big uh, kind of Congress meeting and they're all there. And every time somebody says something, they very correctly put that. You never hear one guy stand up and go, "Hey, this is a, we can't do this. This is crap." Yeah, well, you know, what are you thinking? You know that would. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. You know, we hear with, with, with Stalin, his his crowds would. It would almost seem like they were competing with one another to see how long they could stand and applaud. No, no, and it's painful when you watch the North Koreans. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For yeah. Sure. So they, and at that point, you know, um, maybe maybe those folks are just doing that because they're looking for a place to let, let out a little bit of uh, personal energy in a public sphere. It's very hard to figure out. Uh, a lot of this remains un, I think people research about it, but it's not that much time has gone by since you've seen the rise of totalitarian states. And I wonder if it's not some sort of the real understanding of how people act underneath it remains into the future. Because it's interesting because I, I, I think digging back deeper into history and we don't, we don't have time to do so today, mm-hmm. but digging back a lot deeper that we, we have examples of, I mean, on smaller scales, but we have examples in past centuries of what we would call authoritarianism. Yeah. We, we need to look to the 20th century and beyond really for your, yeah. for totalitarianism. This is very, this is very much, I would argue, a modern reality. Mm-hmm. How nice. Well, um, I think that's excellent. I'm, I'm glad. I, I think that we, we hit some, we hit some clear definitions and some clear distinctions and provided some good examples. And like I said, I'm going to get some, uh, links and some resources and whatnot from you that I will include on the in the show notes and on the page, so that you can uh, go ahead and look up more information about this. If you really want to look into the, like the worst kind of governments that are out there, I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, uh, Lee, do you have anything else you want to add in closing? No, just that uh, as, again, as we talk about things, as you see stuff, especially with China in the current moment. Um, do you see, can you see what we're talking about? Do you, do you see it active? Right. I think that's worth it. I mean, that, and that's, that's where, I mean, ideas ought to be applied. Mm-hmm. So you ought to take them and, and do something with them. So go do that. So anyway, Lee, thanks so much for your time. Outstanding. And, uh, 
And I appreciate your input as always. Thank you. Thanks again for listening. I hope you have a great day and I'll have another episode for you next week.